Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. You know, last week we were talking about how the Lord has prepared us for the times in which we live, you know, and, and you know, he, he, He's prepared us by the kind of emphasis that the pastor has been having the last few months, you know, about faith. We talked about that last week, you know, and so in the middle of all that, you know, just, be, just you know, as, as I was meditating on that, the words new normal kept coming back to me, you know, and we've heard this a lot in the last, you know, couple of months that we're going to have to get used to the a new normal. And, and the Lord said, you, you have new normals that we have all the time. You know, and out of the course of our lives, we're always experiencing new normals. I mean, you know, a new normal is when you start to school, you know, and suddenly this kid's going, do I have to go every day? You know, you know, you got a new normal. You know, when your kids leave home, you know, for a couple, now it's a new normal. You know, if you have a new baby, it is definitely a new normal. You know, uh, if you get married, it's a new normal. That person you thought you know, knew so well, once you start living with them 24-7, you've, it's got a new normal going on here, people. You know, even after 50 years, I can tell you there are days when it's still a new normal. <laughs> but we, we, we're not inexperienced where new normals are concerned. But the thing that, that concerns me about this new normal is what the world is trying to shove on us. What they're trying to tell us is going to have to become our new normal. Uh, I disagree with that. I disagree. There may be some changes. I mean, we see changes just like what we're doing tonight with every row, every other row that's empty and two chairs in between you. But I don't consider that going, I don't consider that that's going to be my new normal. It is a, it is a temporary condition. It is a temporary change that we're having to make. It is a temporary adjustment that we're going through, but it is not going to become the new normal. And so, you know, what, what we're seeing is we're trying to be shoved into, new, into these molds of what this society, this world, this, this structure is trying to convince us is going to happen so that we will be willing to go along with it. And I'm not willing to go along with a lot of what they claim is going to have to become normal. I'm not willing to go along with not singing in church. And you think California is the only place that's going to try that? I doubt it. This world is wanting to the, the Christians of, of this world to begin to conform to what they want to be normal. But that is not going to happen. And we need to be aware of what they're trying to do. What the, if, they can, if they can stop the church of the Lord Jesus Christ from operating in this world the way God intends for us to operate, they can do as they please. And for the most part, they can do as they please anytime, but they don't want the influence of the church getting in their way. They don't want us getting in their way. And so if they can 
make it so that it's harder for us to be together? Oh, an online service is fine when you have to do it that way. But an online service, it robs the body of Christ of a lot of what we need. It robs us. It robs us of the corporate anointing. It robs us of corporate worship. It robs us of the ability to minister one to another. It robs us of the ability to encourage one another, to see the needs in someone else's life, to meet that need. It robs us of the opportunity to experience the joy of our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ together. It robs us of the opportunity that the Holy Spirit wants to have to minister directly to you. Can you tell me that you can have hands laid on you by an online service? Can you tell me that the, that the Lord could say to, like Bonnie, last Sunday morning when the Lord told Pastor, he said, tell her, her obst- the obstacles has been removed. C- can you do that in an online service? No, we're being robbed, folks, and being told it's the new normal. It's not the new normal. We will not have a new normal that looks like that. You know, and we're going to have to do some things, you know, to avoid their new normal. You know, but, you know, if we, if we only focus on natural things, then that sounds plausible. It sounds like it's, well, it's not such a bad thing. Maybe, maybe it's, it, well, it's a good idea. You know, okay, they're, they're, just, they're just trying to promote our well-being. They're trying to, they're trying for, to make us safe. You know, you can couch it in all kinds of terms. You know, and the world can use all kinds of language and and all kind of reasonings why it, this is the way it needs to be. Listen, you need to see through some of that stuff. You need to see through it and see that there's a bigger plan in action. People don't sometimes understand they're being promoted or motivated, I should say, by something else. The enemy is using everything he can because he knows the time is short. He knows the time is short. And the church has a job to do. And I think he probably has an inkling of the fact that that the church is going to rise up. God's not coming back for a weak, weak, wimpy church. He's coming back for a church that's full of power, full of glory, full of the anointing, where the gospel is being preached all over the world and people's lives are being changed by the gospel. That, and I think he has an inkling that that's going to happen. And so he's doing his best to stop us. And so I want you to understand that we've got to keep our attention on eternal things. Go with me to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Hallelujah. Verse 18, you know this verse. I'm not going to tell you anything tonight that you don't know, but just just going to encourage you in some things. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 18, while we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. That can have a twofold meaning. Sometimes we, we look at that, you know, as, as you we're using the eye of faith to, to call those things which be not as though they were. Things that we need to have come into our lives. Things that, we, that we're believing God for. Whether it's, uh, you know, a manifestation of healing in our body or a manifestation of, of uh, 
money provision of, or provision of any kind. We're looking, we, we don't look at the circumstances here, but we look at what God's already provided for us, and we're calling those things as though they not, that be not as though they were. But let me tell you, there's also some things we need to see in here on another side. We need to start looking at the things that are not seen by the natural eye that are trying to operate in this world that are opposing the things of God. There are things that we look at and, and we see, what we see right now, there's such a big outward manifestation of some of that unseen thing in the spirit realm. And we need to look past what we see and we need to look into that spirit realm to see what the enemy is trying to do, what he's trying to bring to the forefront, what he's trying to, to put people into places where they conform to what his plan is. We need to look into that as well. And it says here, it keeps on going, it says, For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The enemy wants to have an eternal impact in people's lives. And by that, he means he wants to see as many people accompany him to the lake of fire as possible. Why? Not because he hates them so bad, but because he doesn't want them to enjoy the presence of God. He doesn't want God's kingdom enlarged. He doesn't want the, the, the pearly gates of heaven to swing any wider than it has to, to let the few in that he, that he just can't keep out. So we need to look at things in a, in a different way. We need to see things sometimes in a, a little different light. When you look at this scripture, you know, if God's saying, you know, stop looking at this outward circumstance and see what's behind it. See what's behind it. See what's really trying to happen here. Then you start praying along those lines and you start beginning to tear down some strongholds in the spirit realm. You begin to pray out some things with a greater passion, a greater, uh, a greater desire to see those things just completely obliterated. Hallelujah. You know, because we've been delivered out of darkness. We have been delivered out of darkness. That if you look at Colossians 1.13, it says you've been delivered out of darkness. You've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. And in that kingdom, the one that we have been translated into has become our new normal. When you talk about new normal, the only new normal we really want to talk about is the fact that we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. The day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus was the start of your new normal. It was the beginning of something that should be normal for you. What's normal for a new creation being in the, in the eyes of God? Well, it says in, in Habakkuk 2.4, in Romans 1.17, in Galatians 3.11, and Hebrews 10.38, the just shall live by faith. My new normal life is a life of faith. Not a life of just going with the flow. Not a life of being at the beck and call of whatever the circumstances are. Not, at, not being in a place where, where I am subject to every whim that the enemy throws my way. Where I'm not subject to every, every time I, I, want, I want to answer that's that yes to, to be settling for a no. God's got things in place. And if you'll use your faith to go after them, you will always have them. 
And we have gotten lazy with our faith. Mm. We have gotten lazy. Why has pastor been talking about the faith, about faith for so many months? And now he's switched to the Holy Spirit. Tells me, tells me that you have been given the opportunity to get prepared to walk in a new version, a new level, a new plan of the life of faith that you're supposed to live in. What you need to live, the way you're supposed to live when it comes to faith, has already been given to you. These last months, this, this what he called a faith tune-up, is exactly what it was supposed to do. Tune your faith up. And now he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Oh, my heavens, I'm telling you, be aware of what's happening. He's getting you prepared to walk in the Spirit. To walk in a closer and greater measure of the Spirit of God. Where you hear what you need to hear. That you, uh, that you respond to what you need to respond to. See, so many times we have gotten ourselves in places where we have gotten used to not responding to the Spirit. Until he's screaming at us. He shouldn't have to do that. He's not going to do that. Because we're led by that still, small... 90% of the time, the way God leads us is by that still, small voice. That inward witness. And some of the biggest decisions we've ever made in our lives have been because of just that inward witness witness. I know people like to hear God out here, boom, you shall do this. Go, my child, and do this. You know, no, he's not going to do that. He expects you to become in tuned with the spirit man that lives on the inside of you to the extent that when he says, hello, you go, yes, sir. I need you to do it. Yes, sir. I want you to, yes, sir. Isn't that how we're supposed to be training our children? I could meddle. The goal of child rearing is to get them to respond to your voice at the first command. At the first instruction. Not at the 14th. Not at the third. But to respond instantly and willingly. Because the person who loves them most has said to do something. There's, I, can't, I can't imagine that a child you know, would think that the person who loves me most is not my parent. You know, maybe there are some of those issues. I, I, you know, but that's not the way God intended it to be. He intended for us to love our children and them to love us so much that, that no, no matter what we said to them, they would instantly obey. They would instantly respond. Look what Abraham and Isaac did. When Abraham was told, go up to the mountain. I want you to go up there and sacrifice. Take your son with you. Don't take anybody else. Go up to that mountain. I want you to go up there and do a sacrifice. And Abraham's going, I don't have any sacrifice. The Lord said, I will provide. And when they get up there, he tells him to take his son. Now, there are two versions of that I can, I can see in my, in my head. When Abraham goes, oh, no, 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 no. I love my son too much for this. And Isaac is going, Father, you love me too much for this. You know, but you have a father and a son who were willing to do what the father God had said do. Because 
they each knew that their father loved them so much that he would not tell them to do something that was not going to be of benefit to them. And so that's what, we're, that's what we as natural parents are supposed to do. That's how we're supposed to train our children so that they learn to instantly obey. Why? No, I mean, I, I, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. You know, one of my kids, of course, I don't think they ever really asked me this too many times. Why do I? My children never asked me why, I don't think. They didn't ask me why do I have to do this because they knew the answer was going to be because I said so. And there are times when God, if you ask God why, he's going to say, because I said so. You should trust me enough to just do it because I said so. Now, I know a lot of people don't like that term. But honestly, there, there are times when, when God, you just need to trust me. And that's basically saying, because I said so. You know, and so you have a father and a son on Mount Moriah who are willing to, to sacrifice his child and who's willing to be sacrificed. Each of them, you know, with the same, the same goal in mind. And that should be our goal, is to, is to follow that inner man to the point that when God talks to that inner man, you know, that we respond. And, and, we, and we can practice that. We can practice that in church. We can practice that when it's time to praise God. Instead of standing here where everybody's got their hands up, put your hands up. That's part of responding. When everybody else is praying, don't be looking around. Pray. When pastor says, let's pray in the spirit, we're going to pray in the spirit. When he says, is there somebody here who needs this? You instantly go, that's me, that's me, that's me. Your response, your, your willingness and obedience to respond in any service sets the stage for God to do more. There are many times when I knew God had more in the service, but because the response stopped, God had to stop. We have, we have missed so much of what God has wanted to do for us in services because we just didn't respond. Maybe our minds were somewhere else. Maybe we were just tired Maybe we were distracted by other things. Maybe we just didn't want to. Anybody ever been there? Besides me? I don't want to. I just don't want to. You know? And the Holy Spirit will let you do what you don't want to do. If you don't want to, then you have just missed out. But when we come together, the fact that we're all committed to respond creates an environment where God can do so much for so many. I am sure people have walked out of here unhealed because the lack of response caused the flow of the anointing, that healing anointing, to be stopped dead in its tracks. I'm convinced there's a level of praise and worship that we haven't gotten to because we all just it's been 35 minutes. I mean, don't we, haven't we done this enough? If you're tired, if your legs hurt, or whatever, sit down, but continue to respond. Just continue to respond. I mean, if you physically have an issue that you can't stand up that long, fine. Sit down, but make sure that it's obvious that you are still in response mode so that we can see what God wants us to see and hear what he, he wants us to hear and do what he wants us to do. 
let's not miss out on any of those things. That should be the new normal we should live in. Because, because really, this is where we put into, in, into practice. This is where we train ourselves to respond, not just in here, but when we leave here. Because the world is trying to conform us and put us into a mold and is constantly putting pressure on you when you're outside of these walls to become like them. And the way you practice to keep that from happening is to, buy, is to respond with everything that's in you when you come in here. Romans says, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. The world has an interest in renewing your mind to their way of thinking. And for, a, for, for, I mean, you look around and I'm telling you what, the transformation is staggering right now about how this world is conforming into one thing. And Christians are the thorn in the devil's side of that project. And we have to get to a place where we make his life miserable. I don't want to be just, I don't want to see one thorn in his side. I want to see millions of thorns in his side. I want to see him every morning when you open your eyes going, oh my, she's up. Oh my, here he comes. Oh my, look out, you know. Okay, what, what, what am I going to have to do to keep him at bay? He should be on the defensive when you open your eyes in the morning. He should be going, oh, oh no. How are they? And yet, because if we're not careful, you know, if you go over to, to um, let's see, Ephesians 4, it says, neither give place to the devil. If you're not careful, to program, and I'll use that word just exactly the way I mean, what you might think I mean. If you don't program your mind with the word of God, you will inadvertently and unconsciously give place to the enemy. You will find yourself in a place when you go to on the job and somebody says something that is absolutely diametrically opposed to the word of God, you'll find yourself going, Okay. Well, that's, you know, that's what you think. You know, well, that, that, that's your opinion. Yeah, there are times we're going to have to take a stand. You know, I, I found a verse over in Isaiah this afternoon, and it says that when the enemy, the fact is, let me, let me find that here real quick. Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59. And I thought, man, this sounds like so much the times we're living in. Let's just start. Hmm. Um, let's just start in verse 16. Really, verse 19 is where I really want to go. But let's just start in verse 16. And it says, And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, therefore his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. That zeal is divine passion. And some of, sometimes we, we just lack divine passion. 
According to their deeds, accordingly, he will repay. Fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the islands he will repay recompense. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. What is the standard he's lifting up? It's you. You are the standard that he's lifting up. You need to look at yourself as God's standard everywhere you go. Now, there are times when maybe I don't want you getting in an argument with people about their opinions. I don't want you getting in an argument about people when when they're going on about something. I want you to be a standard, that your life is a standard for what the Word of God says. And get to the place where if asked, you've got an answer. If asked, you've got a reason for the hope that's on the inside of you. If asked, if, if God bears witness with you, this is going to be one of those times where you're going to have to listen to that inner man. Sometime that inner man is going to say, just, just, just hold your peace. Don't say anything. Then there are times when, the, when that inward man is going to say, you need to speak up. And there are times when, when if he tells you to speak up, you're going to have to trust that he gives you the right words and the right way to say it. Because for us to, to not say what needs to be said leads the world down a path of destruction. It le- if you knew somebody was about to run off a cliff, would you not want to stop them? Of course you would. There are times God wants you to stop them from running off a cliff. It might not be easy. It might not be comfortable. It might not be, you know, you think that you, you might not think he's even going to do any good. But if the Holy Spirit witnesses on the inside of you to do it, then there's a reason to do it. Just because he said so. Just because he's asking you to. Just because somebody needs to be saved from something. Somebody needs to be spared something. Somebody needs help. They need help. This world needs help like it's never needed help before. And who is it that God's going to call upon to send them that help? You. You. First Samuel 3, 1 talks about the fact that the word of the Lord was precious in those days. Well, other versions of that scripture say called it a rare treasure, called it uncommon, called it seldom heard. It's hard for me to imagine that there are people who've not heard the gospel at all, but there are in our very own country. When we, we think about people who've, who've totally not heard the gospel, most of the time we think of foreign lands. But I'm telling you what, It's true. It could be true of your next-door neighbor. You know, we rented a house for two years from from a young man while we were in between homes. And just in talking to him, he didn't know a thing about God. Not one thing. And it, it just dawned on me, I thought, how is this possible? It's America where the gospel is everywhere, and yet he knew absolutely nothing. So we made him a project over the course of that two years, planted a lot of seed, and I expect a harvest to come from that seed. You know, it, and in fact is, 
we, we, we were moving out last June, June 1st, and he decided he was going to go ahead and put the house on the market. And there was two new houses and one other house that had a, a nice yard already landscaped and everything that were all the, on the market for sale. And I thought, now, Lord, you need to help him with this house. And we moved out June 1st. He had a buyer and was closed on that house by July 14th. And I'm going, two brand new houses nobody's ever lived in on the other street. And a house right down the street that looks very nice. And it looked very nice from the inside. Nice backyard, already beautifully landscaped. And yet somebody bought his house. And so I wrote him a little little text. I texted him one day after I saw that. And I told him, I said, I'm glad to see a new family is living in your house. I want you to know the word says that he will bless those that bless me. And because you blessed us, I believe the Lord sold your house that fast when all these other houses were for sale. He didn't respond much. He goes, thank you, I appreciate that. But I thought, more seed sown. More seed sown. And I expect a harvest off that. God loves him. God put him in our path and us in his for a reason. And we were able to, to, to spread some seed. And I believe somebody else will come along and water it and somebody else will come along and harvest it. But God's got you out there for a reason. You know, and, and so we, we need to, to understand that the word of the Lord is precious, seldom heard, a rare treasure, uncommon in a lot of places and in a lot of people that you come in contact with. And you have to be ready to share that word that you've got with them anytime you can. You know, I looked in over in Exodus, and, and during all of this, this scripture came up to me. And, and during this, the whole last three, four months, you know, when all this has gone on, in fact, as I had somebody ask me today, has anybody in your church had the virus? And I went, not that I know of. We've had people, you know, who've been you know, con- in contact with others, you know, who might have had it and had to quarantine, you know. But nobody in our church has had this virus. Go with me to Exodus 11. When the children of Israel, God was getting them out of Egypt, the Lord said this to them as they were leaving. You know, he, uh, he, was, he was going to, he was going to bring one more plague to them, to the, to the people of Egypt. And it was going to be the, the fact the firstborn was going to die. And uh, here's, well, let's start in verse 4. And Moses said, thus saith the Lord, about midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sits upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that you may know how the Lord does put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And I look at the fact that not one person of our church family has had this virus. And I go back to this scripture that you may know that the Lord does put a difference between you and the world. 
you need to look at yourself as an example of God saying, I've put a difference between you and this world. I've put a difference between you and this world. Don't take that lightly. Don't take that for granted. God wants to use you to show them that there's a different way of doing things, that there's a different way to live, that there's a different destiny that he has in mind for them. There's a difference between you and the world. And so... You know, as we go about life and as we're having to deal with all this stuff, you know, I know it gets tiresome. I get tired of having put, put that wonderful mask on every time I go. You don't know how many times I've gotten out of the car and headed into to someplace and went, <laughs> turned around, had to go back to the car and get it. I think I should just tie it around my neck. You know, so that I won't do that. But I have to turn around and go back. I know it's tiresome. I know there's a lot of things that we are just really tired of. But at the same time, God says, don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't grow weary. You know, when we find ourselves getting weary in a particular area, what do we have to do? We have to go back and re-examine it in light of the Word. What does the Word say? What does the word tell me to do? Does it tell tell me to count it all joy? He does. Well, then I got to count it all joy. I want if if I if I got myself back in a place where I'm counting it joy, and the joy of the Lord is my strength, and the good a merry heart does good like a medicine, then I'm not weary anymore. You just you just have to school yourself in what the word says, and so in 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 creating our new normal as new creatures, and having it established in the physical realm around us, what do we do? Here's what we do. We live out of our inner man. That's how we do. We live out of the man that's on the inside. How? By having a renewed appreciation for the word. A renewed appreciation for the word. You know, we get so comfortable as word people that we, we fail sometimes to understand the great value that's in it and the great impact that it has in our lives and why it needs to be first and foremost in front of us at all times because just like just like anything else it leaks out if we're not careful you take somebody out of an environment where the word about healing heal God it's God's will to heal you. It's always God's will to heal you. There is nothing that you've done that that God will say, no, this healing is not for you. There is nothing that can stop the healing power of God from operating in your life as a child of God if you don't allow it to. I mean, you take people out of that environment, and I guarantee you within about six weeks, now the enemy has got them sick, and they don't... And they have lost sight of the fact that it is now and always will be God's will to heal me. Won't take long. So the word, you have to continually keep it in front of you. And to do that, you have to have a renewed appreciation for what it does. And for how it it brings you to a new place of living. You have to have a renewed appreciation for the Holy Spirit. 
in such a way that you, you are endeavoring to listen, to have a listening ear. Brother Hagen used to put it this way. He used to say, keep your spiritual antenna up at all times. We have to have such an appreciation for the Holy Spirit that we are consciously making sure our spiritual antenna is up all day long and into the night. If God wakes you up in the middle of the night, understand it's God. Maybe it's just, you know, you ate too much before you, or drank too much before you went to bed. Sometimes that's the case. You know, but a lot of times God's waking you up because he wants to get your attention when it's free from other distractions. And if he's done that, then say, okay, Lord, what is it you're trying to tell me? What? Talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. A renewed appreciation. And now that pastor's teaching on the Holy Spirit, I think it's probably emphasizing the importance of that. You know, sometimes we just come in, oh, well, he's got a new series. Oh, he's going to be teaching on this. Now, that's, that's, oh, yeah, that, that, that's nice. The reason he teaches a series is because he's led by the Holy Ghost to teach a series on something. And if he's been led to teach a series on any particular subject, there's a reason why God's emphasizing that at this particular moment. And we need to latch hold of it and go with it and listen to it and put it into practice. The word only works for you when you do it. It only works for you when you do it. We need to have a renewed appreciation for the local church. I think we had about 16 weeks of, of not being able to do what's normal for us as a church body. And I hope, I trust that that has created in you a new appreciation for your local church. And so it's not as easy as maybe it once was to just say, ah, you know, it's late, I'm running late. You know, I, I can't make it by church time, you know, and I really don't want to walk in 10 minutes late. You know, you go, I don't care if, I am, if I'm 45 minutes late, I'm still going. Because I appreciate the local church that much. Because God has called us together. And God's got, if I only am able to get five minutes in, God's still got something for me when I get there. We have to have appreciation for that. You need to have an appreciation, a renewed appreciation for you to have the, for you to have the ability to do what God has in store for you to do. You know, we, sometimes we have big dreams. Now, if they're the dreams that God has put on the inside of you, then God says you are more than able, more than able to accomplish and to go where he's called you to go, to do what he's called you to do. You might say, yeah, but that's not my personality. Doesn't matter. It's not mine to be up here either, but I, here I am. It's not yours to do a lot of things, but there you are. Maybe, maybe you think, that's, oh, that's just not me. Yeah, if God has talked to you and said, you need to do this, this is, this is, this is what I'm leading you to. This is what I'm leading you to do. You, know, you just need to have a renewed appreciation for the ability that God has on the inside of you is sufficient to get the job done. And last but not least, you need to have a renewed determination to be the light that you're called to be. Go back with me to Isaiah 
This time we're going to go to chapter 60. Hallelujah. To really, to really kind of get, because we know the Bible was not written chapter and verse. Let's go back up to 5921. It says, as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth, nor out of the mouth of your seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed, says the Lord from henceforth and forever. And here we go in chapter 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Um, The New New American Bible says, Rise up in splendor. Your light has come. The glory of the Lord shines upon you. The uh, Amplified says it like this, Arise from depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. See, the world's trying to keep us in some circumstances. The world's trying to put us in a place of being depressed about a lot of things. They shower us with such wonderful news every moment of the day that it's a wonder that we aren't all on Prozac. (laughs) Arise from depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. Shine. Be radiant with the glory of the Lord, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. You be the light. You be the light. You go out into a world that's getting darker, and you shine as bright as the noonday sun. And you let God work a work in you. Let, you. let him show people that there's a difference between you and them. And you be the person who is the light that which all the little moths come to. This world is seeking something. They're looking for something. It needs to be the glory of the Lord that they find. And the word says that the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. You rise, you shine, and you walk in the normal that God has ordained for you to walk in. Not this world's normal, but the normal of a new creation, the the normal of a new life in Christ Jesus, the normal of a new man who's never existed before. That new normal is what you walk in. And that that is the place from which you shine. That is the place from which God's glory can manifest itself into a dark world. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.